Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. I'd like to start with something funny. I'm sure you would like this. I heard about this man who had a terrible time training his dog. So one day he came across this charismatic evangelist who promptly told him to leave his dog with him and he would have the dog trained in no time. The next day, the owner came back and the evangelist went on to give him a demonstration. He threw the stick and said, fetch. And the dog immediately ran after it and got it and brought it back. He said, sit. And instantly the dog sat. The owner was so thrilled. He said, let me have a go. Okay. He said, he shouted, heal. And the dog lifted up his paw and put it on the man's forehead and said, I command your sickness to leave in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Now, my dog is not like this yet. We're not training, right? We got this crazy new cat. Honestly, this is crazy. It's, I think it's demonized. Honestly, it's just, I know it's all, but it was like this big. And now, uh, but we, actually, I prayed over the other day. You know, Saskia, I prayed over the other day. I said, Jesus, we need, biting the whole time, you know, like this little thing. This is like really hard. I said, stop it. So I, and it's been much better, I think. <laughs> or maybe just growing up, you know, I don't know what's happening. Okay, so we are in this, in this mini-series on, uh, on stewardship and, um, and particular financial stewardship, which is, is a great, a great thing. Now, before I start, I just feel like anointed. Uh, I, again, I felt the anointing just now about the whole thing of authority, which is one of the things of today. I want to do a series on authority very soon. But the thing is, though, it's very interesting about finance. And, and I don't know when to say it, but I'm going to say it now because otherwise I forget it. Now, last week I talked a little bit about it. We're talking about this parable. It's, it's, it's in Luke 16 about the parable of this unfaithful steward. But one of the things we're not going to cover today because I covered it last week, but I got reminded again today. Remember Jesus talks about this whole thing about if you can't be trustworthy in the area of money, the stuff you have in your, in your, in your hands, how on earth can God entrust you with heavenly um, wealth? Remember? It talks about the whole healing and talks about the ministry and talks about the glory and all the stuff of God. If we, that's like the, the bottom of the, of the stairs is like faithfulness in, in, in finance. But I just sat there and something happened when I saw this declaration of these kids from Bethel Church. I thought it was actually amazing. It talks about wherever I go, I bring this perfect health zone. Isn't it amazing? Everywhere you bring a perfect health zone and suddenly it clicked with me. Is the whole thing we talk about right now with money, why it is so important, the whole area of finance, is it actually gives you authority. It actually gives you, in the end, if we are faithful with what we have in our hands, what God has given to us, and we trust God in the whole area of finance, right? It's quite a big area, but you know what I mean? Right there, then all the other things about the land, all the stuff that God has called us to in our lives, gets empowered and anointed, and you have authority. Let's say it differently. You don't have authority if you don't do this well. If you're stingy or you don't know how to give or you're just in the orphan spirit and you whatever, you like stay here. You don't even get to these things. I thought, wow, that's pretty powerful. So that's from the Holy Spirit. Um, so you take it. <laughs> Financial stewardship. I love, I love the whole area of stewardship. A steward is a person who manages somebody else's property or somebody else's money or whatever it is, right? So stewardship is having something in your possession which is actually not your possession. 
And we had a great example last week, and you had to listen to it last week, what I did with Josh. He had got a great little illustration. But the whole thing is God has given us things in our possession which are not our possession. Actually, everything is given to us is actually given to us by God, right? Freely. He's given us life, jobs, health, um, tools, um, talents. Everything is given to us. And he's asking us to be faithful stewards of what God has given to us and use it wisely, right? Talked about last week, talked about the body, you know, the temple, how to use the, the tongue, how to use the tongue, you know, your time, your talents, but also your treasure in the whole area of money. And so Jesus taught in this, um, in this parable in Luke uh, 16, Luke 16, that the unjust steward, the unfaithful uh, steward. And in the story, the steward, I'm not going to read the whole story now because I've got no time for it, uh, but I will go through it because I'm basically doing the second part of this um, parable. Um, that basically he was wasting his, his, um, his boss's wealth. He was not stealing, but it talks in this parable that he was wasting. He was not doing what the, manager, what the boss had asked him to do. He was not managing well. He was not trustworthy. And so last week we talked about the first point that money is a trust. It is a trust there's things that have been entrusted into our lives, including money, which is basically things that are not ours, but it's for us to steward wisely in the way that God would want this in our lives. And so we talked about we want God first in our finance. Amen? Who wants God first in their finance? Yeah, me too. I hope you, hope you all do that because, again, let's, let's keep in the background. I really... I've, ooh. Oh, that's very anointed, actually, this whole thing of the authority. Keeping your back of your mind, it's not in my thing at all. Keeping the back of your mind authority. It, it empowers. It's authority. You've been given authority, dominion. Remember this whole thing from the beginning? We've been given dominion. Remember? We've been given control. God is not in control. Did you know that? People still pray that. Oh, yeah, God is in control. He's actually not in control. I'm really sorry to hear. I have to tell you. He's given us control. A lot of responsibility. That's why you can't tell them, hey, what about all the problems in this world? People come to you, they say, oh, what about all the stuff in the world, all the sickness in the world, all stuff? Well, God does something about it. Well, he's, he's, he's done something about it. He's made you. It's people. He's not in control. He gave in control to us. He's sovereign. He's involved. And we ask him involved. He can be Lord. All this stuff. But he's not in control. It's very, very powerful. That's so um, the whole thing of that Jesus wants to be first in our finance, yeah? And so we saw this last week. One of my, my favorite scriptures, actually, in, in the Bible in the area of finance is in uh, Proverbs 9, uh, sorry, 3, 9 to 10. It says, honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income, and he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine beds with the finest of wines. Isn't that beautiful? What an incredible promise. Now, I've got to make a note here that I not forget. You know what I do every month when I get my salary? I get my salary once a month. Some of you get it every two weeks, whatever you do. Every month, you know, what I do is I get this thing into my inbox, into my money inbox. You know what the B and Z, you know what I mean? There it is. And I take it, and I take 10%. I said, Lord, this is yours. And I do it. I do still manual. So I'm not kind of, automatic is really good, guys, to do automatic, and many of you do the automatic, but I actually don't do automatic in the sense of it goes automatic without me knowing. I physically push the button, put in the numbers, and there it goes. Because I said, Lord, I honor you, but the first things of my salary goes to you because I worship you. You know, it is so powerful. So many of us still struggle in the whole thing of giving God our first. 
So many still struggle in giving God our best, but he really deserves it. We worship him with it. Honor him. Worship him. Put him first in this area. And the amazing thing is that blessings do flow from this thing. Look what it says here. It says here, when you put Jesus first, there's a promise that he will fill your barns and overflow. I love this. Isn't it wonderful? An overflow looks to me like abundance. Does it look to you like abundance? It does. He will fill your pockets. He will fill your businesses. I know I've, I've talked to several people here. I mean, you had a great testimony joining this morning. But I know there's others in this room I've spoken to you even recently. About when you say, when I put, put God first, man, amazing in my business, things start happening. It just is the way it is. Because, again, you release the authority of God, you know, just to make the money work for you. So it's, it's just very, very powerful. Living in the overflow. Now, I said last week, listen, because some of you think, hey, there's a prosperity, there's prosperity church, is it? Harmony, prosperity church, absolutely blimmin' well it is a prosperity church. I mean, God wants to prosper you, but not a prosperity gospel. See, because the prosperity gospel is I give to get. But Jesus says the opposite, I get to give. Amen? The prosperity gospel says I give to get. But Jesus says I get to give. I am empowered. I am honored. I am privileged to give. It's all about the motivation. The prosperity gospel is motivated by selfishness, but what I can get out of it, right? Out to get. But Jesus says you're out to give. That's good. See, out to give. Out to give. Wherever Jesus goes, he always gives. Wherever Jesus is around, he always, I love that when this talks about these Bethel kids, you know, everywhere I go, I see the prosperity, I see the God doing miracles. Health comes. Wherever Jesus goes, health comes in every area of your life. Order comes. Divine order comes wherever Jesus, if you allow him, because you say no. But wherever Jesus is around, things start happening because Jesus is love. And love always expresses itself in giving. Always in generosity. Amen? Amen. That's good. You know, some people still have problems with tithing. The thing is, it's in the old, old covenant, you know. Well, I tell you, tithing is really first fruits, which I'll talk about too. Is was before the... Old covenant, old covenant, was after it, was above it, was in it, was all around it. See, tithing is much more than just even a principle, which I totally believe in. Tithing actually is stewardship. You steward something that is not yours. God says everything of yours is mine anyway, but I have purposed it in such a way that when you take the first part of your salary, of your income, whatever it is, and you give it to me, there's an anointing that is from there. It's called first fruits. It's beautiful. And I'm going to talk about this later, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. But the thing is, though, I've got so much to say today. So stewardship. Stewardship is having something in your possession that is not your possession. We give it to God freely. And I say it again because I want you to be healthy in this area of finance. I want you to have authority in this area of finance. He's given us so much in this area of finance. The first 10%, I'm really sorry, it is not about sowing and reaping. It's not even about being generous. That was a lot of money. So, what is money? If you trust God, he owns everything. After the 10%, then you start sowing. Missions, in my books, is sowing. I am sowing into missions. 
I'm sowing into Tear Fund. I'm sowing into the, 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 the mission in the city, branch out. I'm sowing into Thailand. I'm sowing into that sowing and reaping. That starts happening. You can't sow with God's money, can you? So the first part is not yours to sow. It's just yours to pass on, to give. But then you start sowing. I'm not even talking about sowing and reaping yet. And about generosity yet. Because God, in some ways, in the new covenant, he's somewise, he's given us more, more. It's, 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 it's a graduation from the old. There's some principles like tithing, which of course goes through the first fruit, because always the first part is his. But there's something more that comes after that, which we can then implement. I know businesses who tithe 10% and do amazingly well. I know businesses who tithe 10% and they're not even Christians. Many are Jews. They know it. They're smart. And, and Jesus talks about in this parable, he says that the world is much better than the children of light. Remember last time we talked? We'll see it again in a minute. So money. So trust God with money. But I say to you, though, although the, the, the whole thing of prosperity gospel is not the way you don't basically uh, give to get, but don't be surprised, though, when you do get a return. Right? Because Jesus says here, he says, give, and it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, running over, running over, sorry, I'm stuck, running over, I'm just a bit Dutch, a bit dumb, running over, running over, I want you to see this, running over, everybody say running over, yeah, running over, running over, okay, you got it, and poured out into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be used to you, that is Jesus talking, right, I mean, I want to live in the overflow, look at this, running over, overflow, I want to live in the overflow. And what does it say here? It depends on how much you measure, you use, it will measure to you. Ah, I want to be a great measure. Whatever that means, I want to be a great measure because, man, I want to be measured highly to see this stuff. But it's all about the right attitude. The principles are there, but having the right attitude, Jesus always first. It is always about worship. It is always about honoring and worshiping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, right? Amen. Okay. I'm getting a dry mouth. So, let's continue the parable in Luke 16, verse 10. The one who manages the little, look at this, he has been given with faithfulness and integrity, will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. Look, your family has been. And trusted, promoted. We can actually be promoted and, and trusted more with this stuff. That's why it can increase our authority. When you start using it mightily, it's one of the most powerful weapons in this world. And the Jews knows how to do that. The Jews are amazing. They know how to do money. They're the richest people on the globe because they know how to do this kind of stuff. I want to learn how to do this stuff. Amen? Amen. Come on, you can stay, amen. stay with me, okay? Don't go to sleep now. Come on. I know, you know, may not. Rock your boat, it rocks my boat. And I'll tell you in a minute why. It really rocks my boat. Trust with greater responsibility. But those who cheat the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. This is Jesus talking, by the way. If you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with the eternal treasures of the spiritual world? And if you've, been, and if you've not been proven faithful with, the, with that what belongs to another, why would you be given the wealth of your own i think this speaks for itself right amen so first of all money is a trust are we trustworthy are we 
trustworthy. Two, money is a tool. Now, here we go. This is really, really powerful. Money is a tool. Money has a purpose, and money is very, very powerful. Verse 9, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will have welcomed in, you have you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. It says in the NIV, I want you to use money to make friends for yourself. And it says in the Passion Translation, it is important that you use wealth of this world to demonstrate, look at this, your friendship with God by winning friends and blessing others. That's pretty powerful. To demonstrate your friendship with God. Isn't that amazing? And by winning friends and blessing others, then... When this world fails and falls apart, your generosity will provide you with an eternal reward. The problem with the rich man in this story was not, again, that the steward was, was stealing or doing stuff. He was wasting the wealth. He was not using the money for which the rich man had purposed is. Because money is a tool and has a purpose. The money was to promote the business of the, of the, of the, of the, of the rich man, right? His business to do well, to make a profit and make it look good. Some of you have businesses. You employ people. You want these people to make you good, look good. They want you to grow the business, to, to make your name great, to, to, to build your reputation. Amen? That's what he was. That's what he talks about here, to grow your business. And Jesus says here that money is a tool in your hand and not to be wasted to get a job done. Now, the, 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 uh, the steward is freaking out here. He said, what do I do? I'm going to lose my job. Nobody does. Look what he does right now. He starts canceling debt. Not his debt, the master's debt. He starts giving money. Look at this. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, 100 measures of oil. That's 300 liters of olive oil. And so he said to him, take your bill, sit down, and quickly write 50. That's 500 liters then he said to another, how much do you owe? So he said, 100 measures of wheat, 30 tons of wheat. And he said, take your bill and write 80, 24 tons. And so the master then commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly or prudently for, look at this, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. Well, that's a bit of a telling off, isn't it, from Jesus? Basically, the world is smarter than you are with your money. Basically, learn from the world. Interesting. But what does this guy do in the steward? He starts canceling the money debt of the money of, of this rich guy. I, I think this guy is going to be so mad with him, you know. You're going to give my money away. He doesn't. He commends the guy. He says he's a happy man. You, do, you did very well. What? What? See, the issue was when the, the steward started to cancel the debt of this man, People thought that this man was doing it. And the man thought, this guy is amazing. This boss, this wealthy man, what an amazing, generous man he is. And so he thought, this is amazing what you're doing because you're actually increasing my reputation. This is how beautiful. For example, Peter has got a, um, a mortgage of $400,000 with the bank, right? B and Z, right? And the manager comes to him and says, Peter, I'm halving your debt. It's only, only $200,000. And, and Peter says, Amen. Well, I say it for you, Peter. Uh, so, amen. And so he says, what will happen here? So he kisses the, the manager. He thanks him, you know, and blah. But what's he going to do? He'll soon forget about the manager. He will tell everybody. The BNZ. Sorry, it's my bank account. Yeah, we were. The BNZ is just amazing. 
They gave me $200,000. They canceled my debt. They'll tell everybody on Facebook, on Twitter, on hashtag, the beans that is awesome. All this kind of stuff is the best advertising the beans that would ever get, right? It will go nationwide, most likely. Actually, a good plan. If you work for BNZ, why don't you talk to your boss about it? It'd be quite nice to do it. <laughs> Not with everybody, you know, but, but one or two people, you just do it, you know, like an act of kindness. You know, wouldn't it be amazing? They gave away $200,000. And so it's so important, like this. And so the boss commends him because he says, people actually think that I'm awesome. So he commends this unjust steward. Amazing, isn't it? He makes him look great and generous in the image of the rich man. Man, man, is, is, um, is, is grown. Okay, Jesus continues here, verse 9. Jesus says here to use money as a tool to influence people so that they one day will welcome you in heaven. Very, very powerful. We can influence people's lives with the money that we give. Isn't it amazing? So that they can think highly of God. One day people will come into the kingdom. Somebody gave something. It talks about here that one day you go to heaven and somebody that you don't even know. He says, look at this mansion. Look at what I've got here. And the reason why I'm here is because of you. It's because that money you put in that basket. That money you gave to that missionary. You did this. And because of that, I found God. And because of this, I am here today. I am saved here today. We can use money for eternity. To, 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 I'll say something different because I got it here. Every time we are generous in the kingdom of God, we invest into eternity. I'll say it again. Every time we are generous in the kingdom of God, we invest into eternity. It is so important. So important. Let's be wise with this. Let's not be wasteful in this. Every person is changed for eternity in this church is because of your finance and my finance. We've had 33 people saved already in the last couple of months, right? It's all because of your and my finance, right? When we give to mission that we're doing right now, when we give to mission, people's lives get changed. It is because of our finance. I'll tell you something else. If we don't do it, it won't happen. Let's say it that way. So it is very important that we are involved with this because we're talking about eternity. When we give to the building fund, we're still going to pay 100000 for this building. When we do this, every cent for this invests in the thousands of people that are going to come through this building who are going to get saved, healed, and delivered. Your money has a purpose. It does something. It is very, very powerful. That's why it's given us authority. Actually, you give it authority. That is new. I didn't know that, but the Holy Spirit has told me. It's very powerful. For eternity, it's so powerful. So many times, missions and the church is held back because of unfaithfulness in giving. I'll tell you something else. That the giving and the, and, and, and the, the result of the harvest is directly correlated to how much money is being given. Now, I know the supernatural stuff. I get that. God works in supernatural ways. But it's so much, it's all, if money is promoted and when things are happening and we say, yes, we're going to invest in it, boom, we see stuff happen over there. And I want you to see that the authority that you and I have to be able to do this, right? 
It is such a powerful tool in our hands, so let's use it wisely. Verse 13, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you're devoted to the one and you despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus continues to talk about it. You can't have two masters. Money makes a lousy master, but he makes a powerful servant. Money is a lousy master, but it makes a powerful and great tool. Jesus says not to love money because it's the root of all kinds of evil, but it's a tool to be used. It's a powerful tool in your hands to bless others, to see his kingdom come, and to see growth everywhere that we go. Amen? See, money says to a vision, I can fulfill you. Money says to poverty, I can feed you. Money says to nakedness, I can clothe you. Money says to ministry, I can support you. Money says to a child, I can educate you. Money says to the vulnerable, I can protect you. Money says to a building, I can build you. And money says to opportunity, I can take you. It is a powerful tool for the kingdom of God. And I want you to really hear this and really see this. And I know we've seen this in our church. I think many of us have really grown in this area, right? When you talked about the whole thing of growing, this is one area that I've been growing, Kath and I have been growing in as you, as you grow, you know? Because it's so powerful. I, I, grew, I grew just now by the Holy Spirit when he told me about the authority he gave. I knew it was a powerful tool, but when he told me it's authority, Gideon, you've given the authority, you can also not use it. Not use it. How many people would not be saved because of our, our unfaithfulness? I don't want to go there. I want to play by the rules that God has put into, not in rules in the sense of, you know, old covenant rules, but the whole principles, all the stuff that he's put in. I want to play how the economy of God plays out. I want to be part of that. Do you too? I want this too. So I'm going to go with this. We will empower the gospel. So money is a trust. We talked about that. Money is a tool. So how are you doing? You doing good? No, that's good to hear that. People are doing. Some of you are being challenged, but that's so cool. Isn't it wonderful to be challenged? Because then we can learn. I mean, Jesus tells people all the time. I mean, he talked more about money than anything else in the Bible except for uh, the kingdom. I mean, how irritated he would have been from people. Because so many people have their, their money is their God, you know, is their idol. So, so many. It's just, and that's why the third point is actually money is a test. Money is a test. It's a test of the heart. The issues of the heart. The heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. And he ends in verse 415, it says, God knows your heart. The Pharisees, verse 14, who were lovers of money, also heard all this stuff, and they scoffed at him. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourself before man, but God knows your heart. God doesn't want your money. God wants your heart. He wants your heart to put Jesus first in everything that we are in everything that we do. Amen? Love him first. And you know, sometimes he tests us. You know why? Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, your treasures follows your heart. Where's your heart going? That's where your treasure is going. Where's your heart going? That's where your treasure is going. Very powerful. Well, Jesus is saying that your treasure will never come to your heart, but your heart will go to where your treasure is. Jesus wants to be our treasure. Is he your treasure? Or is something else your treasure? 
something else, somebody else, is it you? You are the treasure. Hey, I'm the, I'm the treasure. Money is your treasure. Your business, your wife. Oh, your wife is your treasure. Of course, your wife's treasure. <laughs> I tell you, your wife, your husband can be your idol. Serious. We don't want that either, do we? There's only one treasure worth following. He's my treasure. Jesus is my treasure. Amen? And sometimes Jesus tests the heart. He did it later in Luke 18 and 19. He encounters two rich men. The first one was in, in, um, in 18. He says um, it was a rich young ruler. Had everything, had all the money, the looks, everything. And he tests this guy. And the second was Zacchaeus, the tax collector. And both have an encounter with Jesus, but their hearts are very, very different. Look at this very briefly. Because Jesus was not interested in their money, but in their heart. The rich young ruler, ruler thinks he is awesome and doing things great. And Jesus says, the only time he says that in the Bible, he says, sell everything and give it to the poor and follow me. You have treasures in heaven. And you just can't do it. Because Jesus knows exactly where his heart is. That's why he told him. And he walked away sad. Because the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. And then you see Zacchaeus. And you know what Zacchaeus, he doesn't mention money or the red bag he was, the tax collector, at all. At all. Jesus just hangs out with Zacchaeus. And then Zacchaeus, without no, any rebuke or challenge in Luke 19, 8, says, Jesus, I will give half of all I have to the poor, and everyone I've ripped off, I will give back four times over. See, an encounter with Jesus always changes your heart if you want to. It always reveals your heart. And you can make a choice, two things. You can actually go in your own way, in your selfish way, or you can say, Lord, I want to be changed by you. And that is my choice in my life, Catherine, and my choice that we walk after God. And whatever the subject is in our lives, we keep on having his order come into our lives. And I really love this, you know, and I hope that you do the same thing. Because sometimes Jesus just wants to show how your heart is. Is there anything that you make an idol out of, you know? Because he wants to crush them. Because he knows how it will trip you off. Not only not, because he sees the harvest. He says, you are tripping off my harvest. Amen? He, you're tripping off his harvest, and we don't want this. We want God. So reveal, man, the heart issue is an issue of the heart. Peter says, but in your hearts set Christ apart as Lord, as holy and amplified. Acknowledging him, giving him first place in our lives. And you know, when we hang out with Jesus, when we give him first place, it's amazing what starts happening in our heart. It's amazing. What, that's why I have communion every day. Every morning I have communion. And the reason why I do it is because I want him first place in my life. Maybe that's why I'm growing, Josh. Maybe that's why you're growing. Some of you are doing it too. Some of the greatest men that walked the earth, including Bill Johnson, uh, Smith Wigglesworth, Derek Prince, Joseph Prince, all those guys, all have communion every day. Why? Because the higher you go in the ladder, the higher you get, the bigger thing, platform you have in the world, the world can start drawing on you and start enticing you. And they want to stay in this place of covenant with God, in this soft place of him being Lord of my life. And say, Lord, I need your anointing, I need your blessing, I need your authority, I need everything that you have in my life. So every morning I do. And by the way, at the same time, you pray for everybody. Because I pray for many of the people who are sick in this house, I know, and I pray for them. I pray for people in Holland. I pray for everybody. I pray for our family, for you, Saskia, for you, Wari. I pray for everybody, Johnny, all my family, David. I do every day. Because every day I said, Lord, I thank you so much for your new covenant. I thank you for the promises that are yes and amen in Christ. All that stuff. 
So keep your heart soft because otherwise you start wondering. It's so easy to start wondering, guys. Our hearts. But it's so enticing. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the money, the lust of, the, of this world. And we want to be free from this. I want to be free from this. And so Jesus uses the Holy Spirit and my wife to, be, to get free from this. You know, and the thing is, if I love, if I say I put Jesus first, I say, if I put Catherine first, I'm married to her. You know, if I say that, you got to back it up with some action. And as soon as she'll leave me, also kick me in the teeth or whatever, you know, you got you to gotta start doing something. You got to love on her and bring a tea in bed and look after the dog and do the dishes and, and love on her and make love on her and all that stuff, you know, make sure she's satisfied. Make sure everything happens for her that she needs to be said. You know, you love her. The same with Jesus. We can say, I love you, Lord, here in church. And you go into out the door and you live for the world and you don't see any, if somebody was looking, if somebody was following you, they would see in the wake of your life, where is he loving Jesus again? I thought he said something at church about loving Jesus. And here we go. The Holy Spirit is with you. Jesus is with you. Are you loving me? Not really. Are you loving me? Not really. I mean, come on. Somehow. And I know I have talks with you. Particularly men in your thought life, lust, all that kind of stuff. It all comes at you in the world. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. Females are shopping. Crazy. Idle. No, it's okay. Get some nice, nice clothes, nice clothes. You know what I mean? The thing is, though, let's make Jesus first in our thought life and, and, and take those things captive that don't belong in your life and get a lifestyle like this. Lord, I want you first in my marriage. I want you first in my job. I want you first in my work. I want you first in my business. I want you first in everything. Amen? Yeah. Come on. I'm finishing now. Johnny, you want to come up? <clears throat> now, for some of us, it's really hard to trust God. Some of us, for one, have still got an orphan spirit. We somehow haven't come into the revelation. Revelation. (laughs) I like this, revelation. It's a new word, guys. Revelation. The realization and the revelation of how amazing our Heavenly heavenly Father is. And when we, that, that he gives us good things and we can just love him and we can trust him with everything, including our finance. We can completely trust him. Now, some of us really struggle because we've been abused by maybe a father or a mother or a powerful a job or, or employer or whatever it is, a powerful person in your life, and you have really struggled and you can't trust God in everything. We're talking about stewardship now in our lives, but of course, the, the subject today was finance, but any subject. And God wants to say that he is actually trustworthy. He is actually your heavenly daddy who actually knows you more than your wife knows you or your mother knows you. He is in you by his Holy Spirit, one spirit with you, the Bible says. And so he knows. And so I suggest a bit what we did in the beginning, that we say, Lord, I want to really trust you in my life. I want to trust you in my life, in every area. Amen? He is trustworthy. There's a beautiful scripture here in 1 Corinthians 1. It says, God is faithful. He is reliable, trustworthy, and ever true to his promises he can be dependent on. And through him, you were called into fellowship with the Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's faithful. You may not feel that he's faithful. You may not actually even see that he's faithful in your life. But I'm telling you, he is faithful. And sometimes we have to wait a little bit. Sometimes our desires, sometimes the things that we're looking for, they sometimes don't come straight away. But he is faithful. And we can wait. Those who wait upon the Lord. They renew their strength and soar up like eagles. We can 
Trust God. I'm telling you, you can trust God. I'm telling you, you can even trust God with your money. You really can. Don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. So the three things we saw is that money is a trust. So be a faithful steward of what God has given to you. Two, it's a tool. It's got a purpose, actually a powerful purpose. It's giving you authority to change people's lives, in particular change people's lives for all authority. Authority. Eternity. <laughs> Sorry. I say something too. You know, I know this morning, for example, David Moot is preaching at City Church. He's part of this church. Because of what we're doing here, he is ministering. People's lives are changed. It's because of our giving. Today, Vicky Trustrum is working. Every other week, she works at Rickton Baptist Church to help them with preaching and worship and stuff like that from our church. We support Vicky as one of our, one of our missionaries, right? She's a missionary both in Germany and all over the world and also in the city here. Right now, people's lives are being changed in Rickerton Baptist Church because of our support. I'll tell you something else. When Catherine and I go across the, the, to the nations, wherever we go, to Holland, we go to Israel, uh, to, uh, Israel again this year, but also to um, wherever we go, Cairns, in two, two weeks' time, speak at a conference and stuff like that. The thing is, though, when we go, we go because of our finance. And the people get saved and delivered is because of us. We are all ministry together. It's very powerful, guys, a powerful purpose. And the third thing is, it's also sometimes a test for us to see really where our heart is. And God is inviting us to new levels of stewardship, new levels of responsibility, new levels of authority to unlock and to release what God wants to be released so we can see what? That's the purpose. We can see the harvest. The purpose in the end is the harvest. And I want to see a powerful harvest come through our church, through your life, in our lives. Amen? Now, one thing I want to say, because it can be condemning for you. New covenant, in new covenant, we are never driven by guilt or condemnation. If you feel condemned right now, then it's not God. He's drawing you. He may put a finger on you, but he's always loving you. You know what he does? We're not driven by guilt or condemnation, but we are drawn by grace and glory. We are drawn by grace and glory. He's inviting you in this amazing lifestyle to change people's lives. The last scripture, Philippians 4, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ. See, all the riches and glory, it's all, that's where it is. It's in glory. Everything is there. But when we start being faithful, we talked about this letter, man. When we start to be faithful with the stuff that we have in our hands and we invest and we're faithful with that money, then his glory, all the stuff we start seeing, it's just amazing. And I want to see all this stuff through your life. Not just my life. We're all together in this. Very soon we have a ceremony here. I don't know exactly when yet, maybe later in May. I'm going to anoint, we're going to anoint all of you. We believe that you, when you go be a nurse... You, a businessman, woman, whatever you do, engineer, whatever you do, you are as anointed and as powerful and as cold as I am. And we're going to have this thing. It's a powerful thing. We've done it several times. We're going to get you up here and we're going to anoint you because when you go to your nursing, and it may not always be easy. I know it's not always easy, but you are a missionary. When you go to your work, it is your ministry. And my job, our job as a church leadership, if you like, is to empower you. That's how it goes. It's not about my ministry. It's actually about your ministry. 
and I can play along too. Isn't it powerful? Not today, but it's coming, right? Stand up. Let's stand together. God wants to empower you. Come on. Father, thank you what you're doing in our lives. We want to be faithful to everything you have in our lives. Lord, we want to be faithful stewards of everything you've given to us, Lord. Our time, our treasure, our, 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 our resources, our, our talents, everything. We want to give glory to you. Lord, we want to learn more about this area. Lord, we want to give up our hearts to you in a greater way. Be Lord over every time because we want to be part of being, Lord, in your business. We want to be about the Father's business like Jesus talked about. Good steward and to resource the kingdom properly, Lord, for the harvest. Help us to trust you more. Help us to trust you more. And where we see incredible blessings from heaven, come to us, Lord, because we are blessed to be a blessing. Everybody say that. We are blessed to be a blessing. Say it again. We are blessed to be a blessing. And Father, you are the king of my heart. We're going to sing this song right now. May it be just a ministry song as you think about this, as you reply to the Lord. May this song express what is in your heart right now. Lord, be the king of my heart.